0: And hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you too can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve.
1: Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I so appreciate you. You're so amazing. You're awesome too. Did you know that? I hope you know that about yourself because you're so super cool. I'm so glad to be able to get to spend some time with you today here on the radio as we talk about more of you. The honest you, the passionate you, honesty, passion, and purpose in our lives make such an enormous difference in all that we do in both our life and our business. Without the passion, without knowing our purpose, without being honest first with ourselves, but then also with the world about who we are, And what we're here to do, we never really truly hit that 100% mark that is so meant for us to live in that highly passionate, really amazing, thriving place that is being a thriving entrepreneur. So today we want to bring on some guests that are going to help us be more honest and passionate with everything that we do as we thrive here as entrepreneurs. I really hope that you are in a place where life is meeting you. You know, like the old saying says, may the road rise up to meet you. I hope that's happening for you today. But if you're living in one of those states where, you know, sometimes our life, our emotions, things that are going on just kind of come out weird, right? <laughs> and if that happens to be where today finds you, I hope that you will take today, that you will take the guests that I have and this hour that we have here together to be able to really use it as a reset, to reboot yourself and really be able to move back to thriving as an entrepreneur so that we can live more honest and passionate in everything that we do as thriving entrepreneurs. I've got three really great guests, so I'm going to jump right into that, take a quick commercial break here, and then we'll be right back on Thriving Entrepreneur.
2: If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say, Yes to your destiny.
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about more honest passion. First up, we're going to talk about that piercing question What are you passionate about? We want to really try to dive into that, define it, and be able to help you discover your passion so that you can live a life of passion as the best version of yourself. Join me in welcoming Adam Mendler. Hey, Adam, how are you doing today?
3: I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world.
3: Well, I know this is a relatively short podcast, and that question might take us hours and hours and hours. So I'll try to keep my answer short and sweet. Steve, I try to think about things in a relatively simple framework. I try to think about things from the perspective of number one, figuring out what is it that you're passionate about? What do you love doing? For me, uh, there are many things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about Building my businesses, I'm passionate about speaking, writing. I have a podcast. Number two, figuring out what it is that you're good at, what your strengths are, and number three, trying to make a difference in the lives of others. And if you can spend your time doing those three things, you're you've made it. You you're successful. You're you know you found it. So. For me, in whatever it is that I do, however I do it, that's how I try to think about it. And that's my approach and my philosophy to my work and really to my life. So passion is such a
1: huge one. Um, And I'm sure you run into it all the time, too. So many people struggle with what is my passion? How do I even define that? How do I know? Um, do you have some inside secrets into how to help a person really identify, hey, this is the core of what your passion is?
3: Yeah, Steve, that's a great question. And I, I think that we can have more than one passion. Not everyone has one thing in life that they're exclusively passionate about. I can tell you in my case, I'm passionate about many things. I think the most important thing is to live life with passion. That's where it starts. It starts by approaching everything with a sense of zeal and zest and a commitment to being the best that you can be in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Beyond that, it's taking a step back and trying to understand what is it that you would do if you could do anything? When you were a kid, what did you want to do with your time? What did you want to do with your life? What do you love doing? What do you do during your quote unquote free time? What are your hobbies? What do you love doing? What gets you going? What doesn't feel like work? What energizes you? What do you do that just does it for you? And it takes a little bit of time to answer that question in a way that I'm not going to say answer in in a way that uh, I don't want to use the word authentically but in, in a way that answers it honestly openly and fully because we can get that answer on a surface level but to answer it deeply it requires a lot of introspection it requires a lot of reflection it requires a lot of thinking and I encourage everyone to get on that journey no matter where you are in your life, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Often I know a lot of times we then run into the whole issue of, oh, I know exactly what I'm passionate about, but how do I make money? How do I monetize doing that? I mean, some people even struggle to the point of, you know, it doesn't seem like it's right to do this thing and also charge people for it. So how does a person decide how to begin to start monetizing that thing that they're just passionate about and they love doing?
3: It's a great question. And my best advice on that topic is to think broadly because too often we, we answer that question in a very confined manner. We think about it from the perspective of this is what I love doing and the this can be applied in a very specific way. The less specifically you think about that this, the less specifically you think about how you can apply what you're passionate about, the more open-minded you are about how your passion can earn you a living, the more likely you will be at being able to earn a living through your passion. So. When it comes to trying to figure out how to apply your passion to your work, take a step back and look through different types of work that connect with what you do really well and what you love doing. So if what you're really passionate about is music and you love Uh, creating music that doesn't necessarily mean that the only way you're gonna make it is by becoming a rock star there are lots of other things you can do there are many people who earn livings by playing music other than rock stars and the same could be said for any passion and for so many vocations
1: When we begin to talk about the concept of charging, the next thing that I always see people struggle with is really valuing what they're charging. Um, Almost everybody I know that I've ever worked with tends to start off with a price that's way too low, but is there kind of a golden rule of how to know what's too little, what's too much, where's the sweet spot?
3: When just to clarify the question, Steve, charging a customer. Can charging you, the customer for their passion project that they're doing. Yeah, I, when I think about how to charge a customer, I think it's really important to look at it from the perspective of number one, what is the market value of the services that you're providing or what is the market value of the product that you're offering. So if you're providing coaching services and the market value for your coaching services are $500 an hour, and that's what the market bears, and you're at that level, then charge at that level. Don't don't charge less if that's what you can command. Now, it might take some time to figure out what you can command, and there's trial and error, and there's a good chance that when you get started, you're going to charge a few people not enough, and there's a good chance that you are gonna you might charge too much and lose out on some business, but it takes time to find that sweet spot. And I can tell you, Steve, having built a few different businesses and a few different industries, pricing strategy is something that is a moving target. You're always trying to figure out what to charge. There's no magic answer, there's no silver bullet, but it's really trying to get as good a feel as you can for the market. We have an office furniture company called Beverly Hills Chairs and our the price for our office chairs today is the price that we think we can command from the market. And if the market changes tomorrow, then our price will go up or it will go down. And that's no different than any of our other businesses. And that's no different than me providing services as a coach when I provide leadership coaching. So I think that advice is universal.
1: So you've started three different businesses in three completely different industries. Across to them, and this is a little bit too general of a question, I know, but bear with the unfairness of it. Across them, what is the biggest thing that you know now that you
3: wish you would have known before you embarked on any of the three of them? That's a great question. And this is uh, advice that I actually received, but even though I received this advice, I didn't really internalize it. And I don't think one can internalize it until you get on this journey, which is being an entrepreneur is exponentially harder than anything I've had to do in my life. It's exponentially harder than it looks. It's exponentially harder than it's portrayed in the media. And I wish I really understood that, but I, even though I was told it, and even though it's advice that I give to people, even though anyone listening to this podcast is gonna hear me say it, you don't really get it until you do it. So for starters, that's one big piece of advice that hopefully listeners can take away. This is really hard stuff. This isn't easy. No matter what business you're trying to build, it's challenging, it's very different than going to work and collecting a the paycheck. Um, there are a number of other things that I wish I knew. Uh, we could spend a whole episode on this topic alone, but one thing that I can tell you very early on, um, a big mistake we made was building three different businesses in three different industries was a byproduct of having tons of ideas probably 10 ideas and many of them not going anywhere we spent our first year and a half as a business pushing on so many ideas at once that we blew through our money and it took us that period of really running in place for a long time to realize that the lack of focus was our Achilles heel and a year and a half into our business we had to take a step back and we had to start focusing on the businesses that were closest to monetization because this is another lesson Steve and another lesson for your audience when you're an entrepreneur building bootstrap businesses there's nothing more important than cash flow and you need to have money flowing in not out and we had money flowing out and not in and To reverse that, we had to focus less on trying to start 10 different businesses and focus more on taking the couple of concepts we had and turning them into businesses that can bring money in. Once we started doing that, that brought us on a path that led us to success because we were able to concentrate on our office furniture company, Beverly Hills Chairs, We were able to focus on our cigar concept, which became custom tobacco. Uh, We ultimately started a third business, a software development company called Velo Solutions. And even though it's a lot to manage, it's a lot to juggle, we were able to do it in a way where we were able to develop businesses that were bringing in money rather than pushing money out. Ooh,
1: that's good too. Bringing in money rather than pushing it out. Um, So let's leave the listeners with um, a piece of advice. Um, What's one thing that they could do right now
3: that would help them be better leaders in their business? I'll give you an easy one, Steve, which is I launched a podcast called 30 minute mentors where every week I go one-on-one with, one of the most successful leaders in the country on how they got to the top and how listeners can get to the top as well. So my goal really is to give listeners access to the best network of mentors possible in 30 minutes, hence the name of the podcast, 30 Minute Mentors. And it's not necessarily my advice on how to get to the top. It's advice from Fortune 500 CEOs, founders of household name companies, generals, admirals, celebrities, athletes, people who have reached the pinnacle of success and are now spending 30 minutes giving their best advice on how listeners can take that next step and ultimately become as successful as possible as well. So that's a way that anyone tuning in can take that next step in their journeys. Um, Another thing beyond tuning into 30 Minute Mentors, I encourage anyone listening to just get on the leadership journey. There's obviously a lot of content to listen to or to read or people you can talk to, but it all starts with the desire to want to become a better leader the desire to want to learn, the desire to want to grow. One of the things that I've learned through my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, is how my guests, who are the most successful people in the country, one after another, after another, whether it's on the air or off the air, have emphasized to me the importance of lifelong learning. If you want to be a great leader, you have to be a great learner whether that means being a great reader or a great listener or both. Just get on that journey and it's never too early or too late to get started. Well, Adam, I really appreciate you spending some
1: time on the show with us here today. Um, And we will push people to go see your pod, go listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you, Steve. This was a ton of fun. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me and thank you to your listeners for tuning in. This was great.
1: What are you passionate about? Do you know? Did this give you some insight in ways to be able to discover your passion so you can live as the best, most passionate version of yourself? Let's take a quick commercial break and then come right back with more about being the honest, passionate
2: version of yourself. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny.
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. In the first segment, we were talking about what are you passionate about? And now we want to move on to something that should be so fundamental in our lives, but often gets missed, and that's the power of honesty. I love this next guest. I really know you're going to glean a lot of great information that's going to up-level both how you show up in the world as well as how your business more impactfully makes an impact and has an effect on the people that you're meant to serve. Join me in welcoming Peter Kozodoy. How
4: are you today, Peter? I'm doing great, Steve, and you did awesome with my last name, by the way. Everybody messes
1: that up. You did great. Yay! (laughs) I usually am the one that totally messes them up. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about you and what you've done so far in your life.
4: Sure. So uh, the the highlight reel looks like I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm the author of a new book out actually today. We're recording this uh, August 11th, 2020, which is Honest to Greatness, How Today's Greatest Leaders Use Brutal Honesty to Achieve Massive Success. Uh, I'm also a Serial Inc. 5000 entrepreneur. I have an MBA from Columbia. Uh, And that all sounds well and good, Steve. But trust me, I have had too many failures and uh, downtimes to count. Um, And to really understand me, I want to take you back to 17-year-old Peter, if I can. Would that be okay? Okay. Absolutely, and so at at seventeen, Steve, and this ties into how I ended up writing a book about honesty, which, by the way, is you know very surprising to me. At seventeen, I knew two things to be true. Uh, The first, I was going to the Olympics as a figure skater. Uh, I was a very you know highly trained figure skater, trained for a long time up in the Boston area. I had you know Olympic aspirations, like like all my peers. And the other thing I knew to be certain was I was going to Harvard. Um, As I said, you know, I grew up outside of Boston. I had family members go to Harvard. There was only one school. That was Harvard. Um, By 18, unfortunately, uh, it was clear I was not going to make the Olympics. Uh, It just wasn't good enough. Couldn't hold it together. And um, I applied to Harvard. Harvard sent me a nice letter back saying, uh, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Don't call us. We'll call you. And that was was pretty devastating, Steve. Not going to lie. Now, the good news is uh, it takes devastation to put giant chips on one shoulder. And actually, those two big failures fueled growing uh, my company in my 20s. It you know, started as a video production company, had no idea what the heck I was doing. Um, my business partner and I eventually scaled that into a multi-million dollar agency working with uh, startups to a couple of Fortune 500 clients. And what I could never figure out was this weird thing that would happen, which is some of our clients, we would, uh, you know, unearth insights from their frontline teams and uh, their customers and bring all that back to the C-suite and say, hey, here's what everyone's saying. Here's what we got to do. And, and they would take our strategy, Steve, and, and they would just run with it, you know, and get a five, six times ROI and stay with us for years. And they were thrilled. Others, we would give that same love and care and attention to and say, hey, here's what your customers are saying. Here's what we got to do. And they would just blow up on the launch pad. I mean, they, they descended into infighting and politics and BS. And for the longest time, I used to walk away from these meetings thinking like, oh, my gosh, what a bunch of morons. Uh, Now, you know, that was me being a moron, right? No person that rises to be an executive of a large company is stupid. Um, What I eventually decided was that on some level or another, they were being dishonest about what was going on in the world around them, you know, how consumer trends were shifting or their customers' preferences were changing. Uh, they were failing to get honest about, you know, how the others around them were thinking and feeling, or you know, their fellow executives or frontline employees and so on and so forth. And, and they were getting dishonest with themselves, you know, with their own biases and ego and self-limiting beliefs as leaders. And, you know, as I tell the story after story in my book, you know, the, the leaders and organizations who did the opposite, you know, who got honest about all these things, actually ended up creating way more profitability and dominating their industries.
1: It's so interesting because, you know, when we were little kids, we were taught honesty is the best policy. Um, And often it seems like, Once you get into the business world, they want to try to teach you the exact opposite, if you know what I mean.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's craziness. And it it doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is, I mean, look at the news over the past, you know, five, ten years. It's been nothing but scandal after scandal in the public sector, private sector. It's very difficult in today's environment to hide anything. You know, someone's got a smartphone somewhere, right? The recording somewhere. Um, And you see it in all the scandals that come to light that, and you know the premise of the book, Steve, is that in this environment that we're in, you know, with near perfect transparency, it soon will no longer pay to do anything but be honest and transparent.
1: I always think of the phrase that my dad taught me many, many years ago, and he said, um, "You know, basically, the problem with lying is then you have to remember what it was you said." <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. It's not sustainable. You know, literally it's what I say in the conclusion of my book, like honesty is sustainable. You know, we're talking about sustainability. It's not just environmental, it's societal, you know, what can sustain our culture? Well, not what's going on right now. You know, uh, we're just going to need a lot more honesty and transparency to, to come together.
1: So there's a phrase in the uh, one sheet that I got on you when, when we were scheduling the interview. And that phrase is business success through strategic, Mm -hmm. I love this phrase, strategic honesty. Can you first explain to us what strategic honesty is and then teach us how to make that work in our business?
4: Totally. So let, you know, to frame that discussion, let's first talk about what honesty is not. one of the CEOs in my book makes a great point. He says, if you're flying in an airplane and the pilots come over the intercom and they say, well, folks, so we've never seen storm clouds like that before. So please uh, put your seatbelts on. Not quite sure if we're going to be able to land this plane today, but we're going to do our best. Is it honest? Yeah. But is it helpful? No. Right. So, you know, honesty is only as good as the trust that it creates. So, Many folks, you know, see this book and they're like, oh my gosh, Peter, I'm so honest. I just tell it like it is all the time. And people think I'm a jerk. And I'm like, well, you're not honest. You're just a jerk. Like that's that's what that means. I know that because I was, you know, voted most likely to continue being a jerk in high school. Like I had to learn what honesty really meant. And it doesn't mean just blurting out your thoughts at every, you know, time of day. That's not helpful. So I, when I say strategic honesty... I stratify it on on three main levels, and those levels turn into the main framework of the book, which I call the hourglass of honesty. And it works like this, Steve. You know, as I was saying earlier, I was alluding to it a little bit. First, you know, we need to get honest about the level I call the community. You know, what, what's going on in the world? You know, we we live in a time. Right now it's 2020. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of racial injustice and gender bias and all these big, heady concepts that society's grappling with. We don't operate in a silo here. I mean, we, we operate in this big environment. We have to be aware of it. We have to be honest about how people are thinking and feeling because we're riding this wave, whether we like it or not. After that, we, we need to get honest with and about the others around us. Now, obviously, sometimes we need to be honest with people, right? We need to level with them. And, and there are many examples in my book that I uh, show how companies and leaders that just sort of come out and say, hey, you know, we messed up. like there's no bones about it. We suck. We're sorry. You know, we're going to make it better. There are times when we need to be honest with people. There are other times when we need to be honest about the others around us, you know, how they are thinking and feeling and how differently they may think and feel from us. I just learned, I was booked on a national show to go talk about this whole mask debate, right? People, people want to wear masks. They don't want to wear masks. It's a mess, right? But we can't just shout these people down, tell them they're stupid, you know, no matter which side of the debate you fall on. That that doesn't help. You know, we need to be honest about them and ask, how did you get to those conclusions? Help me understand. You know, th- those are much more helpful and more honest ways to go about, you know, reconciling differences. And then finally, Steve, we need to get honest with and about ourselves, you know, with our own biases and self-limiting beliefs and how big our egos are and how much they play into our day-to-day decisions, both in our companies and in our lives. And when I say in our companies, I mean as leaders from the C-suite, and I also mean as leaders from the frontline employees and middle managers and really everyone. You know, everyone can use this. In fact, I have chapters in my book for, for each one of those folks, you know, showing them how to use this, this you know strategic honesty, as you say. So what happens is once you're honest on those three levels, community, other self, you're essentially a different person. I mean think about it honest Steve is very different than dishonest Steve. you know honest Steve has fundamentally different hopes and fears and dreams and aspirations and, and so on and so forth. And because you're able to create change in, in your mindset you know in your approach, you actually end up changing the others around you, you know whether those are your uh, family members that you find are toxic to you or your friends or your colleagues or customers or employees. And that's how the leaders and organizations in my book end up bending the community towards them and creating industry dominating, unprecedented results. It's through that hourglass shape, that transformative process. And that's why it's not just honesty in the way anyone wants to define it. No, it's strategic, deliberate honesty. And again, there's so many cases in my book where folks aren't just honest. They point to the honesty. Hey, We're doing this deliberately, and that's what makes it magical.
1: For the listeners, um, can you give us an example of a company that everybody probably knows about that does a really great job of having strategic honesty as part of their whole plan for their company?
4: There, There are so many, from the largest hedge fund in the world who literally bases their entire culture on radical truth and radical transparency, to the Ritz-Carlton, who is brutally honest about who matters in their company. By the way, it's not the executives. It's only the frontline employees. I'll give you an example, though, that everyone has tried, literally, in their life. And I think one of my favorites is Domino's Pizza. I don't know if you remember, Steve, but back in 2008, 2009, Domino's figured out they had a problem. People were saying that their pizza, quite frankly, wasn't that good. Not only that, but when Domino's did some taste tests and put their pizza in the boxes of their competitors, think about this, the people tasting the pizza said, oh, I actually like that better. Same pizza, just the competitor's box, right? So they had, not only did they have a taste problem, they had a brand perception problem, right? So there was a CEO departing and a new one coming in. The CEO departing, very brave guy, approved this campaign. He said, we're not gonna just Uh, go to market and tell everyone, Hey, we improved our crust and had, you know, imported some tomatoes from Italy and now it's better. Come try it. He's like, no, no, we're going to do something bigger than that. So the incoming CEO, right? The the decision's already been made. The incoming CEO gets put on national television and he stands up in front of everybody across the nation and says, I'm sorry, America turns out our pizza sucks and we owe you an apology and we're going to do better. You you deserve better than this. And they did. And Steve, if you had recognized that honesty, right? If you had said to yourself, wow, that is a company that is willing to be brutally honest with itself and make changes, big changes in its business. If you had recognized that and invested in Domino's stock at that point in about 2010, you would have had a 3000% return over the next 10 years as Domino's kept getting honest with itself and kept reinventing over and over and over again. And all it took was setting aside their ego and not trying to hide and sweep things under the rug like everyone in this society apparently loves to do and just coming out with it and being honest. It's, it's just so easy and so powerful.
1: Makes me want pizza now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, for the listeners, what is one thing that they could do like right now, like the episode ends and they immediately could take action on to again, to, be strategically honest in what they're doing.
4: This is why I wrote the book. You know, the the book is not a, the book premiered at, uh, today. It was number one in uh, in business ethics on Amazon, which is fantastic, right? But it's not an ethics book. And the reason I say that is because I I think everyone should be uh, you know honest, right? In general, I think that builds you know a better society of people, but. Uh, Like I'm a capitalist, right? I have an MBA. Like I'm all about the money, right? And all about achieving results. And this is a book about using honesty, wielding it, weaponizing it to achieve results. So you ask exactly the right question. How do we use it? I have a ton of techniques and frameworks in the book, but I'm going to give you two questions, which I think personally is the most powerful, transformative set of questions you could ask yourself. Okay. And it's this, is that true? And how do I know? Now, think about this, Steve. If you're watching TV and you see a news headline or you look, you know, you checked out your great Aunt Millie's Facebook post or you have a thought in your head that could be a self-limiting belief, BS, that you've told yourself, just pause and ask, is that true and how do I know? Just putting that buffer in front of you and not reacting emotionally with our reptilian brains, it's shocking how incredible you can transform yourself into a much more patient, understanding leader of your own business, and of course of your own life and friends and family. Just take a beat. Is that true? How do I know? And often, Steve, the things that we take for granted, that we think and that we absorb, they're not even true in the first place. So it, it, it I can't say enough about you know use those two words and uh, questions. Internalize them. Put them on your bathroom mirror. It literally will change your life.
1: So tell us all about your book where we can get it and anything else people can do to follow up with you.
4: Absolutely. So uh, books available everywhere. Books are sold today. Today was launch day, four years in the making, by the way. Um, for anyone who re- wants to write a book, like my first words are good luck. It is so difficult, way more challenging than I ever thought. And by the way, I'm the guy that used to wear like tights and follow my ass in front of 3000 people in figure skating. So I, when I say that, I really mean it. Um, so Yes honest to greatness, everywhere books are sold. If uh, you are wondering, how can I be a better leader? How can honesty help me? Head over to honest to greatness.com. On that website, I have a 21 question honesty quiz. It's totally free. It tells you your honesty profile. And I send a video to your inbox uh, sharing with you, you know, how you got the result that you've and how you can improve that result over time and, and become a better leader. So I hope you check it out.
1: Well, Peter, I really appreciate your book and I really appreciate you spending some time with us on the show today.
4: My pleasure, Steve.
1: I love that. I mean, how can we all find ways to be even more upfront and honest in what we do to really let our customers know how cherished they really are? I think that's an important part of living each day as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
2: If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. (laughs) Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes your this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call your go to your book a talk with steve it's proven it's guaranteed it's gonna happen all you have to do is say yes to your destiny
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about how to show up with more honest passion in all that we do, but especially in our business. Next, we want to talk about words like abundance, purpose, and joy. How can we have joy in all that we do? How can we create more of what we want in our lives? That seems like something all of us want is more of the good stuff, the juice in life in our lives. So in order to help us with that, I've got one more really great guest here that's going to share with you their superpower on helping you learn to create more of what we want in our lives. Join me in welcoming Daniel Mangina. How are you today, Daniel?
5: I'm really, really good, Steve. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Did I botch your last name or did I get it close?
5: <laughs> you got it really close. The funny thing is um, my parents' native language is, uh, is, is Zulu. And in Zulu, because it's not a traditionally written language, all the letters and don't make any softens or hardens. They're exactly as they are, like phonetically. So it's mangena. But because of the E, you'd think it would be mangena. So perfectly understandable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, that's an interesting piece of information too. Yes. Well, speaking a little bit about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world.
5: Hi, I'm Daniel Mangina. Uh, I tend to write things, speak things and do things. Um, all about uh, empowering people to live more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven lives. And it's, for me, a matter of being very clear on what you want and then creating an alignment with that in how we think and how we feel and what we do. And that's what I do in the world.
1: So how does that work? I mean, how do we create more of what we want in life?
5: Well, I think for the most part, it begins with letting go of the stories that have built up the idea up until now of what we want in life. And and just recognizing that we always have the opportunity to wipe the slate clean and create a new relationship with what we want. So much of our lives is run on how we operate unconsciously that very few of us have ever actually taken the time to have a relationship with ourselves that actually means we we're doing what we want versus what our parents want, um, society, um, the, the, our life partner. And once we have that slate clean, then we can start actually asking open questions to ourselves: Is this what I want to do? Is this where I want to be? Is this even my favorite color? And I found over the years that people are really, really surprised by what comes back when they actually ask those questions. Mm.
1: So if you were starting into this process, what would be the first question you would suggest somebody ask?
5: For me, it's very simple. I I don't really sort of uh, resonate with all of the find your purpose, blah, blah, blah. I think that every moment, the introduction of new information gives us the opportunity for that answer to be rejigged. And so I invite people that I work with to just ask themselves two questions. What feels good right now? And what does no harm to, that does no harm to others. So does it feel really good for me right now? What does my heart want right this second? And does that do harm to others? And if I get a yes and a no, then move forward. And creating a succession of moments, nows, days, months, weeks, where you're operating on that basis, very rarely leads to a bad life.
1: Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Do you ever find that people end up picking something that, Uh, feels good in the moment and does no harms to other but may not necessarily be good for them
5: yes but generally speaking even the process the 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 landscape within which we process those questions tends to sometimes to be for want of a better phrase polluted by the programs we've been running on up until now about what feeling good is (laughs) what harm is i mean put it this way even our idea of what harm is can change from moment to moment go back uh go back i know 30 years and spanking a kid in school was, was fine. Do that now and you can end up in jail. So it's about being open to change and flexible to new information coming in. But I think actually not just sort of passively being open to it, but actively going for new content, new data, new information so that we can be apprised of where we're at and where our world's at too.
1: Leads so easily into the whole concept of how judgy, most all of us were taught to be as kids, Do you know what I mean?
5: Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that a lot with the whole, um, the, the racial tension stuff that's been going on, not just in the States, but around the world. People are saying, but you know, where did these stories that we're working on come from? Stories about ourselves and stories about others. And generally speaking, it's societal. I think they say, uh, I think Bruce Lipton says, you know, a lot of what we, we run on as adults, we learn from the environment that we experienced as children. So during that time when we didn't really have the same analytical function in our minds that we do as as adults, we were just soaking up information as a sponge, looking at what was happening in our environment. And so it's very easy in that respect for generational ideas to be passed from one to the next and us just moving unconsciously into following on and doing exactly the same thing as those who came before us. Hence, I said the very first thing that I invite people to do is to let go of everything we think we know and be open to something new.
1: Mm. So what would you say is the biggest thing that you find people struggle with letting go?
5: What other people think. Oh, Caring so much about what other people think that we, we start to negate our own desires, our own feelings. I mean, think about it. How much of what you consider to be, let's, let's look at the, the idea of beauty, for example. Um, My wife's Russian, Russian Russian-American. And uh, she's got another Russian friend who lives here in the same development as us, who's obsessed with being really, really skinny. But if we go back to uh, like the 60s, they would tell you that a fuller-bodied, real size 16 woman was beauty. That was Marilyn Monroe. Fast forward 10, 15 years and you get the stick models. The idea of beauty changed from time, from generation to generation, from decade to decade. Uh, If you look at what we consider to be fashionable, well, it just depends on whatever the media and the fashion industry tell us it's fashionable. People then copy it. And if you don't abide by those norms, you're told that you're not fashionable. We're force fed those ideas, but it happens. I believe at such a subtle level, most of the time, it's also almost insidiously, <laughs> insidiously infected into our brains like some kind of virus that this is what this is. And that's what that is.
1: So would you say that really taking the time to Get to know you, I guess, is the word that keeps coming to my mind. Um, Is the number one most important thing a person needs to do?
5: I'd say at the beginning of any journey of self-discovery, it's definitely that.
1: Now, when we then run into the wall, if you will, of you do those first two things, you decide what do I want to do? you know, that doesn't hurt anybody else. And then we run into that wall of all of the years of being told we shouldn't do that. What mm-hmm. does it take to break through that wall?
5: Well, I think this is where the, the, the very backbone of my work, which is a model I created called Beyond Intention. It's the topic of my best book, Step and in Beyond Intention. It starts to come in. The first step in Beyond Intention is accept. And there are different levels and aspects to accept the first and most primary one is that I'm the author and creator of my life. But underpinning that I'm the common denominator of all experiences in my life. But I think from an emotional level, one of the most powerful aspects of acceptance is accepting yourself for who you are right now with loving compassion, irrespective of the choices that you've made unconsciously up until this moment.
1: So first we accept, um, Mm -hmm. what are the other steps?
5: Once we accept we we start to come to the only effective space that we can actually affect real change within ourselves. So so much of our time is spent tied up in what we've done in the past or what we're afraid of happening in the future What we're obsessed with creating in the future that we lose access to the only space where we can affect real change Which is now Uh, I can't do anything about the past. I can take the wisdom of the past I can't do anything about the future. I can affect choices now in order to deliberately create my future or to sidestep potential mishaps or be resourced in order to deal with that which might come up in the future. So I have to be here and now. So step step two of beyond intention is clear. And what clearing is, is about letting go of the, the ties to the past and the future so that we can be present enough in the now to resource ourselves to create what we actually intend to create. And then step three is? Step three is gratitude, which is a, is a very funny one because we're traditionally taught to be grateful for what has happened. But actually what science has been starting to demonstrate, and some of it fringe science, but all of it science still the same, is that what we're able to be grateful for in advance tends to happen with a bit more certainty. And for me, what I think that really is about is when I understand I'm the author and creator of my life and that the choices that I make now can actually lead to deliberate outcomes, I can start to generate the emotional response of that future outcome now. And what that actually demonstrates to myself mentally is certainty. It's what Tony Robbins talks about all the time. Certainty is such a powerful, powerful tool. So when I start to demonstrate certainty through gratitude, connecting deliberately in the now to the emotional experience that I choose to step into, it starts to bring it around with a much higher rate of probability. Then
1: you said it's a four step system, correct?
5: Four step. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what's the fourth one?
5: The fourth one is a funny one because it creates a bit of a loop for some. Because, generally speaking, if I've chosen what I want, I've created the alignment in how I think, what I feel, and what I'm doing, the laws of the universe don't change for any of us. Generally speaking, we should see it happen. So, what step four, listen, is all about is maintaining a state of conscious awareness so that I can start to identify the pieces of my personal experience that are getting in the way of what I want to create for myself. So if something isn't happening, then through feeling with awareness, I can start to discern, well, what's happening in my emotional state. Am I starting to reject that experience or am I anxious or fearful or doubtful of that experience? I can start to listen to my thoughts. Am I starting to betray myself with my thoughts and start to create or, Uh, to fall into patterns of thought that are going to lead to, for example, self-sabotage, procrastination. Am I speaking thoughts in my mind of certainty? And if I'm not, I can start to adjust them. So uh, Maxwell Maltz in his book, Psycho Psycho Cybernetics, reminds us that a guiding missile doesn't go from point to point. A guiding missile is constantly course correcting so that it stays on course to get to where it's going. And For us, it's the same. We're constantly receiving new inputs. We're receiving stuff from our environment. Let's say, for example, I make the choice to not follow the same thoughts that I receive from my parents. I want to do something different. It's about maintaining a level of awareness to make sure that I'm not slipping back into those old patterns and staying the course. So step four, listen, is thinking and feeling with awareness so that I can start to course correct and readjust and realign to my intended outcome.
1: So for the listeners, let's try to make it really easy for them today. If after listening to this episode, they um, could do just one thing, what is a good first step for them to be able to take right now?
5: Get comfortable with silence and start listening to what's going on inside of you.
1: Ooh, that's tough. Get comfortable with silence.
5: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because we're taught that silence is uncomfortable. But silence is where our heart speaks. Silence is where we can hear uh, what our thoughts are. Silence is where we can hear what someone else is doing. You know, we've got two, what did they say? We've got two ears and one mouth, listen more than you talk. But we don't do that. We're constantly talking to ourselves, self-doubt, knocking ourselves down, allowing overwhelm to to overtake us. But when we get comfortable with silence, then we can hear what's really going on and start to make choices about, is this what I want? Maybe I'm okay with this you know, so many people are running after things that other people have told them that they want because they don't have the capacity to listen to themselves long enough to see if it's what they want too. That's when people have a midlife crisis, when people have burnout, when people spend so many years thinking that they're chasing a desire that they want and then up, you know, going into drugs, drink alcohol for some people even going to the, the point of taking their own life, but getting comfortable with silence, understanding that in the silence, we can start to build that relationship with ourselves. And from there, a relationship with ourselves that facilitates having better relationships with our world and the people in it.
1: What did you say the name of your new book is?
5: This isn't my new book. This is an older book of mine, "Stepping Beyond Intention." But it's um, it's uh, my first best selling book. Um, it's available. You can check it out on DreamWithDan as my website dot com forward slash books. Then all my books are available there, and it's uh, it's readily available also on Amazon and other proper retailers online. <laughs>
1: And if they go to dreamwithdan.com, they could also go deeper with you into this?
5: Yep, they can go deeper with me into that. There's a few more resources on that, my YouTube channel. All the links are on my website, but my YouTube channel and so on. I've got videos around this. and This is what I I eat, sleep, breathe. It's allowing people to, to connect with who they are so that they can then connect with what they desire and start to actually create the alignment that facilitates experiencing it.
1: Well, Daniel, I really appreciate you spending some time on the show We're with us here today.
5: Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate the uh, the time with you. And for all of my listeners that are in very, in, in, obviously going to be checking this out too, be sure to stick out, check out Steve's podcast since I've been invited to be on. I've had a poke around too. There's some really great stuff that you'll definitely be served by and subscribe and, and rate and review his podcast.
1: Do you feel the joy even just welling up within you? Are you happy for today? Do you move out? With the empowered abundance of your purpose resonating with inside of you as you move through each day to be the best version of who you are today. For some of us, you know, there are days when we are down and we may not be feeling that, and that's okay. I believe strongly that joy isn't being giddy and goofy all the time, it's about knowing that the sun will rise even in the darkest of nights. And so I do very much hope that even if it's been a rough day, if COVID's been a little bit too long for you, whatever might be going on, that you will feel joy welling up within you today, that you will live an abundantly joyful life of purpose as you live as a thriving entrepreneur You're so worth it. You are so important. You are so useful and so needed. The world really truly does need you because you were created for a purpose. You're not an accident. You are uniquely brilliant. And oh yes, again, the world does need you. I hope that today you know deep inside of you your purpose. And if not, Let's take some time and discover your purpose in life so that you can live with more passion, more honesty, more purpose as you live an abundant life. You live fully fulfilled in all that you do in your life and in your business. I really do want to see that for you. I want to see you thrive in all that you do. Because you're so amazingly incredible. You have so much to offer this world. And I love bringing these guests to you to be able to help you thrive in all that you do. If there's ever anything I can do to help you, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd be glad to help you thrive in all that you do. Until we're together again next time, I hope that you're happy, safe, warm, and loved And that you have an amazingly incredible week.
0: Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time.